Hi everyone, Griffin Marie here, and welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. It is Friday, which means it's time for the week in review and preview. Our conversation today will discuss the movement in interest rates during the week and the implications of it for investors. I'm excited to be joined today by Leslie Falconio, a senior fixed income strategist with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So Leslie, it's great to be with you again, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you very much. So Leslie, it was yet another wild week for treasury markets with the move index. That's a measure of interest rate volatility up over eight points or nearly 12% to a 65 reading. What do you make of the volatility in fixed income markets over the past week? Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. The volatility this week was particularly strong, uh, you know, and most early on. So meaning that earlier in the week, we really sort of started to hit that, to your point, the move index, which is about that 68 and you know, June had come in when we were in June, it was in the low 50s. So this, this move is, is pretty big. Um, you know, it's a combination of what we call the, the fundamentals and the technicals. And you don't want to ignore that there are so there were some fundamentals going on um, this week, particularly early on, you know, such as concerns over the Delta variant leading to lockdowns in several countries, you know, the OPEC meeting and commitment to boost supply leading to a sharp decline in oil prices. You know, there's uncertainty surrounding the timing and size of the infrastructure deal and the resolution of the debt ceiling, which is which is due to expire on July 31st. Mm-hmm. You know, there were some dumbish, dovish comments from the, from Powell, which was a bit of a reversal of the hawkish um, rhetoric they had in their June meeting. And early in the week, we had a pretty sharp sell-off in some of these risky assets, such as high yield, which led to a flight to quality. Now, when we put all that together... And we combine it with some of the technical issues that we're still facing. And when I say technicals, I mean, you know, the positioning of some investors still remain what we call short, meaning that they either short their duration. You know, there's low supply in treasuries. You know, all this has really led to a very sharp move. And we saw the 10-year, 10, the 10-year treasury yield actually reach about a 1.12 early in the week which caught a lot of people off guard. Yeah, so given the sideways movement in interest rates over the last you know, few months or so, what in CIO's view are the upcoming catalysts that will start to push rates meaningfully higher, Leslie? Well, you know, listen, I think that, you know, given there's, it, the, the ball started rolling in this sort of yield declining even prior to the June Fed. And it started when the market, you know, sentiment shifted and believed that, inflation would really be transitory and the Fed would step in. So we saw break-even inflation expectations start to decline and Treasury yields in the second quarter never reached what they had in that first quarter of that 177% in 10-year yield. Now, when you put on top of that, the recent push, which started in June, um, and, you know, which told the market that the Fed would be preemptive, and frankly, the market doesn't believe that the Fed will allow inflation to run quote unquote hot because the fact that they put the potential of increasing interest rates in 2023 and then you add on the technical factors and this Delta variant, you know, it's, you really had a bit of volatility at to, to your point after sideways trading at a very range bound of one like 45 to 170 ish for several months. Now going forward, our view remains that interest rates is, are going to rise and there's a lot of things that could push that rate higher. Number one, and I know we're going to talk about this later, but, you know, we have some, you know, indi- we have some key moves co- next week, you know, the Fed and the first look at real second quarter GDP. But I think what pushes interest rates further up is the fact that, number one, these technicals start to abate. 
meaning that the debt ceiling goes, you know, comes and goes. Supply comes back to the treasury market. Positioning are more squared, and these sort of shocks that we've seen will, you know, go by the wayside, which will push interest rates higher. We also have the view that, listen, fundamentally, and we keep an eye on the Delta variant. There's no question, but there's we we always sort of assess probability of occurrence to impact to the marketplace. And when I say impact to the marketplace, what I mean is, yes, you might have this headline risk that globally, in terms of this Delta variant, but the likelihood of, say, shutdowns or shutdowns in the U.S. is, is not very probabilistic. So the impact to the marketplace as it relates to altering growth is low. So our view is that rates will rise because technicals abate, growth remains and fundamentals remain strong. Uh, and obviously, as we've all been, you know, hanging our hat on and still believe that once these subsidies and um, employment uh, expire in the fall, once kids go back to school, you'll have a bit more rise in this jobs number, which is really what the focus is on the Fed is right now, because they sort of have reached their, you know, priceability target, inflation target. Now they got to worry about the job side. So I do think that coming in the fourth quarter, uh, the latter part of the year, we start to see this and rates rise you know, up to that 180 to 2% level. Fantastic insights there, Leslie. Now, shifting gears here a bit, you know, what are some of the key economic data points from this week that you'd like to recap for us today? Well, I mean, when it comes to just economic data, honestly, it sort of took a second seat, um, given everything that was going on with the Delta variant and the OPEC meeting and the Treasury yields hitting that, you know, 1.12. But, you know, most of it was housing related, which is, it was, which is cooling a bit. Um, you know, our CRE expert, John Walsh, put out a great piece in terms of, you know, the expectation of the housing market. And, you know, there's no question that, you know, the home price appreciation may not decline as much, but we're not in a bubble territory, nor do we think there's going to be this big collapse or may not rise as much, but there might not be, a, you know, we're not in this bubble territory. So I don't think that that, that, is going, that was a major issue to the move that we saw this week, even though the data was a little softer. The, the, the real movement had to do with the variant OPEC, you know, the technicals from the debt ceiling and Powell's dovish comments. Right. So as investors prepare for the next trading week ahead, uh, what are some calendar items or, or events that they should be paying attention to? Well, I mean, today we have well, today we have PMI, which is always an important, you know, it, it, an important thing to look at. But more importantly, like I said, for next week, it's about the Fed. And it's going to be about sort of like that first look at second quarter real GDP. And, and I think that, you know, the Fed is going to be particularly important for a number of reasons. One, it's going to be the last meeting heading into Jackson Hole. Two, it, people are going to wonder how they're going to position themselves in terms of communication to the market, given that the shock of the marketplace from the two dots may have been not what they originally expected, which is why, you know, Powell did a little bit of a, you know, turned and, you know, was, you know, communicating a little bit more dovishness um, over the past two weeks. So I do think that this Fed meeting will be very important, obviously, obviously, important as well. But those will be the key as we head into Jackson Hole in August. Well, Leslie, great conversation today on what has been yet another fascinating week in the markets. And we thank you for joining us and sharing your insights and looking forward to having you back on sometime soon. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Again, we have been joined today by Leslie Falconio, a senior fixed income strategist with the UBS Chief Investment Office. And as a reminder to our clients and listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office authors a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments 
asset classes, and portfolio allocation. These resources can be located on UBS.com CIO. For clients of UBS, you can also contact your financial advisor. If you'd like to learn more about or receive a copy of any of the publications and blogs directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes and Spotify. Visit UBS.com studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the UBS trending video series. So from UBS Studios, I'm Griffin Marie, and thank you so much for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO dash disclaimer.